welcome to Powered by Magic, where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions. Let's take this journey together. Hi, I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we're coming to you from Eugene, Oregon. We invite you to conjure up a broom and ride with us. How's your week been? My week has been very, very busy with work. Mm. I've been doing double pet sitting, which means staying overnight at one place and going in and popping in at another. And then there are my cats to look after. And then there is just normal work. Mm -hmm. That has been pretty much all I've been doing. Mm. The only other thing that really I did this week was with you in recording the summer solstice episode we did which was extremely short yes which those are this year yeah 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 but I think still a little informative yeah I mean we've already covered it in season one and so you know people can refer back to that at any point and there's activities with them and so on and so forth but yeah not to say that we won't cover them again since the seasons move on and repetition isn't necessarily a bad thing because not everybody goes back Mm -hmm. however at this point this year we're not going back (laughs) yeah yeah Mm -mm. all right well then how have you been pretty good i've been just working as usual I have been writing, however. So three weeks ago now, I think it was, I had a dream. It was a very compelling storyline to me. And I wrote out a couple of scenes. I've been writing on that ever since. Awesome. Yes, you've been telling me about it. And it's been sounding very exciting and uh, accomplished. Oh, thank you. It's uh, 8,000 words now. Well, yeah, 8,000 words now. So in novelette territory rather than short story ter- territory. Very cool. Thanks Just, for sharing. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. Shall we begin? Let's begin. I'm going to start this with a little bit of a synopsis of last episode's what Tatiana did last episode. The episode where we worked on witches and uh, yes, magic. Yes, not the magical minutiae. So, a couple of episodes ago. Tatiana talked about the feud between the Demdikes and the Chatoxes and the beginning of the resulting trial in 1612. The matriarchs were Elizabeth Southerns for the Demdikes and Anne Whittle for the Chatoxes. I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. I made a mistake. Yeah. Apparently the Southerns was the last name and Demdike was actually the nickname given to Elizabeth Southern. And the same goes with Anne Whittle. Whittle. She was nicknamed Chaddix. I don't know why or what those mean. I never did actually look into that. I didn't think to. Mm -hmm. But that is a correction I wanted to make. So Elizabeth Southerns was called Demdike and Anne Whittle was called Chatox. Correct. Okay. And I still think that in my writing, I still made errors in that. But just trying to be clear now. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It started with Elizabeth Southerns' granddaughter, Allison, and John Law. With Allison trying to purchase something from him. Things are not clear as to whether Allison begged or John refused, but there was a quarrel. And as he was walking away, he possibly had a stroke, which Allison saw. At this point, there was not any claim of witchcraft. 
Later, Law's son went to Allison. He thought she may have caused whatever happened to his father, and she confessed to witchcraft. There was a meeting between families, and it did not go well. The quarrel was deeper than just the one incident. This is when the matriarchs, Demdike and Chetox, were brought in before the law, Noel, and they told on each other, claiming the other had done witchcraft. That wraps that up very well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So that was part one. Yeah. We're moving into part two today, and we're going to start with the Malkin Tower meeting. The Malkin Tower meeting at the homes of the home of Demdike was orchestrated by Elizabeth Device on April 10th, 1612, Good Friday. Friends and sympathizers of the family attended. Upon hearing of this meeting, Roger Noel decided to find out what the meeting's purpose was with the help of a fellow magistrate, Nicholas Bannister. This led to the arrest of eight more people, Elizabeth Device, James Device, Catherine Hewitt, John Bullcock, Jane Bullcock, Janet Preston from Yorkshire, Alice Nutter, and Alice Gray. Janet Preston was sent to trial at the York inquests. Everyone else was sent to Lancaster Gold, thus joining the others already imprisoned there. Interestingly, some of the imprisoned actually believed in their guilt, while others vehemently protested their guilt. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So we're just going to address the York inquest very quickly. July 27, 1612 is where, as mentioned before, Janet Preston was tried for and found guilty of the death of Thomas Lister of Westby Hall, a local landowner. She professed her innocence to the end. She had a history of the accusation of murder previously to this event, though. In 1611, she appeared before Bromley, for the death of a child through the use of witchcraft, but had been found not guilty. She is connected to the Malkin Tower meeting for seeking to enlist the help of the others to murder Thomas Lister. She was hanged July 29, 1612. The Lancaster Inquests Now, a key player in the deaths of these people was a nine-year-old girl by the name of Janet Device. She identified those that were at the Malkin Tower meeting, including her mother, brother, and sister. It was unusual to allow someone so young to be a part of a trial in the 17th century, but due to King James's book, Daemonology, it was permitted for this purpose. Nine of the accused were found guilty and hanged on August 20th, 1612, at Gallows Hill, Lancaster. One, Elizabeth Southerns, died awaiting trial, and Alice Gray was the only one found not guilty. Huh. Right. I don't think that that clarifies why she wasn't found guilty, but we'll move on and see what what we find. Yeah. So more in depth. On August 18th, Anne Whittle, also known as Chaddix, pleaded not guilty to the charge of murder of Robert Nutter. James Robinson, a tenant of the Chaddox family 20 years previous, recalled that Nutter had said Chaddox had been turning his beer sour and that was commonly believed that she was a witch. I believe in order to attempt to save her daughter's life, Anne Redfern, she succumbed to the charges against her. She asked for mercy for her daughter in the end. Hmm. Now, so many people gave in when their children were brought 
to. Yeah. I mean, you never want to see your child. Yeah. Die before you. Yeah. Yeah. James Robinson and John Robinson's deaths were placed at the feet of Elizabeth Device. She, along with Alice Nutter, were accused of the murder of Henry Mitten. Now, it's unfortunate that Elizabeth had a facial deformity which worked against her in the eyes of the court, and when her daughter was brought out to accuse her, she was forcibly removed from the courtroom due to cursing and screaming at her daughter, Janet, who was the nine-year-old I spoke of earlier. Janet explained how her mother had a familiar, a dog named Ball, with whom she contrived to carry out various murders, and how she had seen her mother making a clay figure of John Robinson, who she was accused of murdering. Elizabeth was found guilty. James Device was accused of having murdered John Duckworth and Anne Townley, using witchcraft. His earlier confession to Noel being used against him in court and that of his sister Janet's statement of him conjuring a black dog to help him kill Townley was sufficient evidence. He was found guilty. I I have to wonder, was this the Janet, the little girl, was she like coached in what she was supposed to say? Or was, you know, I gotta wonder. It could be, of course it could be. I also think, you know, if she had any kind of grudge against her family, sometimes children do. True. And maybe she was, you know, somehow bribed, you know, could be, you know, the whole, I don't want to (laughs) die. That's true. That's very, very true. Oh my goodness. I can't imagine somebody going after a little kid like that, though. But they did. I know they did, but it's horrific. Yeah, I mean, some of the things we've covered before with the witch trials really shows how horribly they went after the children. Oh, my God. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's fine. That's absolutely. Now, August 19th, Anne Redfern's first appearance in court proved to be lucky in that she was acquitted of the charge against her, the murder of Robert Nutter, due to unsatisfactory evidence. However, the next day did not prove the same. The charge of murdering Christopher Nutter, Robert's father, was brought against her. She declared herself not guilty. A statement made to Noel by Demdike declaring that Anne was seen making clay figures was admitted into the hearing. Many claimed her as more dangerous than her mother, as a witch, but she stood fast as to her being not guilty. She never gave in, and she never offered up any other names in court, which was a big deal. I was just going to say, that's that's a lady who has some, some backbone. Exactly. And she was found guilty. Mm. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Jane Bullcock and her son, John, were said to have been seen at the Malkin Tower meeting, wherein a sheep had been stolen from a neighbor. They denied being there, but Janet Device once again stood in court and claimed their presence, and that John had been turning the sheep on the spit. They were also accused of the use of witchcraft in the murder of Janet Dean. They were found guilty. Alice Gray and Catherine Hewitt were both accused of the murder of Anne Fowles. Both were pointed to as having been at the Malkin Tower meeting and to have said that they had killed the child Anne Fowles. Alice Gray was not found guilty, but by all accounts of the history of hangings, Catherine Hewitt was. Again, 
It's a mystery as to how Alice Gray ended up not found guilty. Alice Nutter was charged with murdering Henry Mitten with the use of witchcraft. She was different from the rest in that she was comparatively wealthy and a widow. She entered the plea of not guilty, but said nothing else at her trial. She was said to have joined with Demdike and Elizabeth Device to kill him after he refused to give Demdike a penny she had begged for. James Device testified that Demdike had told him of the murder. Once again, Janet Device pointed out that she had been at the infamous tower meeting. It is thought Alice may have been on her way to secret service when she got roped into the meeting, and said nothing in her defense since this secret religious meeting would have been illegal. Much of her family were Catholics, and two of her family members, who were Jesuit priests, had been put to death for it. She was found guilty. Oof. Alison Device, the one who had encountered with John Law, you remember him, right? That was the incident which brought this all on, was accused of witchcraft, which she had previously already admitted to. What was uncommon was that he was present at the trial and confronted her in court. And she was found guilty. Yep, of course. And that brings it all to an end. It was a mess. The curious thing is that so many people died, and they were all from different families. Mm -hmm. So I think that something was, in medical terms, was happening in the village. So like some sort of sickness going around or something? Yes. Okay. That's my suspicion. Mm. And that then people were starting to point fingers. And the Malkin Tower meeting, for some reason, was a really big deal. Sounds like it. Yeah. Anybody who was there was charged. Mm. It's what it seems like. I think, as I mentioned in part one, I believe this was one of the bigger trials that was held. I think you said it was like 2% of all of the... Yeah. So it was very it was a very large number for mm. trials that were done in the witch trial era. It, it just was makes crazy. me it just makes me shake my head. Yeah. Cuz it's just it's all you yeah. Can do. So I think out of that was it 12 people and uh were tried and 11 died something like that. I said it in the beginning. Mm. My mm-hmm. memory's terrible. Yeah, I don't remember either. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. All right. I'm done. It's up to you. All right. Now, we're talking about Roman magic. So, last history lesson, we went with Greek magic. This time it's Roman magic. And they're fairly intertwined because the Romans took a lot of culture from the Greeks, including quite a few gods, but simply renamed them to fit in with their current pantheon. Ancient Roman magic is the topic today. Actually, much of it was illegal, drawing a fine line between what a religious practice was and what was called magic. Originally thought to have come from Persia and Zoroastrianism by the Romans of the time, it was held in low regard by at least a few high-ranking intellectuals because of the rivalry that was held with Persia. I'll explain that a little bit better later. Okay. It was thought to be widely used by the Roman lower classes as a way to get free of anxiety and get a sense of revenge. It came in much the same forms as Greek magic. Amulets, cursed tablets, incantations, and enchantments. Poisons were included under the magical umbrella in Roman times, apparently. Hmm. Well, that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. The reason magic was illegal is magic that was seen as an antisocial act, and so deemed illegal by those in power. 
Antisocial here is taken to mean someone who is able but not willing to perform their social duties. It was thought that some of the big brouhaha around magic was for control purposes, as just about anybody could have been accused of practicing magic, as we just saw in our previous history lesson that Tatiana gave us. Yeah. This antisocial view of magic was pervasive around the Twelve Tables period, or around 450 BCE to Christian Rome, 380 CE, when Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. So basically, it was magic was seen as antisocial because you were doing it only for yourself and not for others. Oh, interesting. And you were expending that energy on your own behalf rather than sharing it. Okay. One of the known intellectuals that looked down upon magic was Pliny the Elder. He wrote Natural History, a series of books on general Roman thought and knowledge at the time, consisting of 37 books split into 10 volumes. He was the one who wrote down that magic came from Persia theory. Pliny did not believe in incantations, personally thinking magic was a Persian scam. Hmm. Yeah. Regardless of the fact that it was illegal, and some of those in power questioned its efficacy, magic still remained popular. It gave people a sense of control when they felt that otherwise they had none. It was reassurance that people would get their just desserts especially in the case of unsolved thefts or other unsolved crimes. Knowing the future through astrology was also a big draw. It was also mostly perpetrated by men, as opposed to the common thought of the time that women were the primary practitioners. I, if I remember right, it was something like 68% of the names on the, like, the curse tablets and stuff were men. Interesting. Yeah. Or 78, I can't remember. The only new form of magic that's different from Greece is poisoning. Poisoning was seen as magic because of its unpredictability, as well as its ability to be hidden. It could be colorless, or tasteless, or very potent, etc. It was also associated with women, seen as the only way a woman could physically overpower a man. Mm -hmm. The ancient Romans had a rich magic tradition despite the illegality of it. It was, and still is, a powerful tool in the arsenal of the human psyche and the material world, and that is why it appealed to so many then as now. Many people still look down on it. However, I am glad that magic is no longer illegal and that we can practice freely, despite what others may think. It helps. So far, we have no idea the way things are going nowadays. Yeah, I know. It's um, quite scary. Yes, it is. It's, yeah, who knows with the way the, yeah, anyways. Well, you know, the way that the politics are going, I'm just yeah. going to be straightforward with that. I'm yeah. just very concerned about where we're headed as a society. Mm-hmm. And one thing leads to another. And we all think that it's not going to be us, but it, it is, happens. It happens. It's happened so many times before. And I know I'm stating the obvious. I think witchcraft is not that far off of being on the table again. I mean, I it's still a ways, but... Yeah, um, there's there's still at least a facade of religious equality here. At this point, yes. A facade is well put. That was the only thing? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry to go there. It's just, that's just something on my mind. I kind of think, you know, when I first came into witchcraft, I remember being very hush-hush about it. 
because it was not necessarily acceptable. And that was in the 90s. It was becoming more popular. But at the time that I came in, it was still pretty much on the down low. You didn't really want to give that information out too freely. Mm -hmm. And some part of that still sticks in me. Now I've become much more open about it. Yeah. But then I start wondering like, hmm, is that such a smart idea? And I know that that's a little bit paranoid, but I don't know. Today's day and age. It's only been a small amount of time that it's even been remotely acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, I think you're right. I think it's a possibility that we could swerve back into that, hey, it's not acceptable anymore. Yeah. I mean, we're going back into the persecution of women already Mm -hmm. with the whole abortion thing. Mm -hmm. And that's not top on the list of what's going on. But it's not far behind. Yeah. Or maybe it's equal to, maybe it's more appropriately said to what's going on with the larger community. Yeah. uh, And I mean, the persecution of transgender people is horrific. Yes. That's what I was trying to refer to. Yeah. You you can speak to that better than I can, but it is horrific. It's it's just very, very scary. And I'm so glad that I live where I do. And I feel so bad that I do not have more resources to help those that are stuck in places that are not as safe. Yeah, no, it's true. I guess our only resource is writing to our government locally and otherwise and just standing our ground. But it's mm-hmm. it's hard. It's mm-hmm. just hard. Anyway, totally off topic in a way and maybe not totally. Well, I mean, talking about persecution of of people doing magic is... Yeah, yeah. right in the lines of what we're doing. All right, well... Please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you found us. I'm Tatiana saying goodbye for now. And I'm Sylvia saying so long. And thank you for writing with us. This has been Powered Powered by by Magic. Magic. Thank you, everybody, so much. We appreciate you. Yes, you have a great time. Bye. Bye.